the city that keeps the roof blazing, if Will Smith is to be believed. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man whose debt has no ceiling, my brother Mike. Darn straight. You know it, man. I've been racking that stuff up since the late 1990s, and I ain't stopping now. Okay? Here's the trick. When you die, they can't come after you. They for can't it. come so, after you know. me then. Can't get blood from my headstone. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> Can't get, you know, cash from a, it's on an ATM. They're not, they're not getting anything out of that. And so, Plus, you know, my body will be unrecognizable. Debt, so, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and here's the thing. If we got to fake our own deaths, move down to Argentina or something like that, we're men of the world anyway. That's so, right. you know, no big deal. All I'm saying, no big deal. Uh, on this week's episode, we'll dig into last week, a weird week because the Royals only played five games. They had two days off in a row. It was a, it was a weird week for a lot of reasons, but we'll dig into last week's weirdness, cast our sight into the future for our spotlight segment, created a little game. I named the game. I'm very proud of the name I came up with. And then we'll preview next week's games when the Royals will take a trip out east. But first, Royals Weekly is brought to you by Knapp Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? Uh, importing dangerous cheeses. What's a dangerous cheese? One that you don't want going to school with your children or you don't want to meet walking down a dark alley. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, you know, they, they ask you at customs all the time. Yeah, if you have any mon- weird foods. Monster sounds kind of dangerous to me, but whatever. <laughs> that, <laughs> uh, so anyway, securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family. And Nap Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Knapp Family Wealth has, is run by JC Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead, education planning so your kids learn to read good, investment management so you get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at NapFamilyWealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P FamilyWealth.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member F-I-N-R-A slash S-I-P-C. We'll start this week's review with roster news as is custom, but there is virtually none of it. I mean, it's very limited on the roster front. Uh, sadly, Amir Garrett went on the 15 day injured list with left. I'm going to try and pronounce this. I've never heard of this injury before and it's rare when it's an injury I've never heard of. It's left elbow valgus extension overload is what they're calling it. Um, it takes me longer to say it than he'll be on the IR. Bach- Bachman so, Turner overload. You know, got it. <laughs> it comes in with a little Bachman Turner overload. Uh, so, you know, sad to see anybody go on the injured list. Hopefully Amir Garrett gets healthy again, having a pretty decent season so far. Hopefully, you know, gets uh, back in time to, you know, keep his trade value nice and high and the Royals can move on from him. Jackson Kowar was called up to replace him uh, and went two innings this week with two strikeouts, no walks and a hit, no runs given up. Everybody, Jackson Coar has a zero earned run average in Major League Baseball this year. Just FYI, it's four in innings, like four yeah. innings or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. we're just throwing that out there. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about Coar's performance the other day? What do you I, think? I was somewhat encouraged by. I got to see one of those innings, and uh, I was somewhat encouraged by it. You know, it was. I still think he probably throws the fastball too much, and I still don't think it's a very good pitch. I think there's still work to be done with the fastball. But in the outing that I saw, he was locating it very well. And he did throw the other stuff 
plenty. And so uh, the changeup looked very good. The, the slider looked better, probably better than both of those other pitches in the outing that I saw. So it was good to see him get in there and work quick and, and have a little confidence and get some outs. You know, if that's what he becomes, if he becomes a multi-inning reliever, that's valuable. And so I'm hoping that that can be the role that he finds, uh, even if, or maybe he does that for a little while and transitions back to a starter at some point, if he can gain some confidence. I think to go back to a full-time starting role, though, he'll have to do something to improve that fastball still. Yeah, he's a type of guy who we could see a lot of in the second half of this season because you have to expect them to be trading, you know, Aroldis Chapman and Scott Barlow and maybe Taylor Clark and Amir Garrett. And, you know, they're going to be looking to move some of these bullpen guys. And that means that guys like Jackson Coar are going to get an opportunity. He's done well with what the four innings he's gotten so far. I don't think he's going to be up for very long this time, but we'll see. And if he is, hopefully he keeps getting more chances and keeps looking like he can handle himself at the major league level. I think it's the huge, the most important thing is that hopefully he's building confidence from these outings, right? Because for him, you can always tell that it's an issue somewhat of, of confidence of feeling convicted in his pitches of, you know, feeling okay up there on the mound. And so I hope that he's gaining some of that confidence and feels like he can go out there and get major league hitters out because if he can, then they have a better chance of turning him into a very, a valuable piece for them moving forward. And Lord knows any valuable pitching they can find anywhere, any valuable pitching they can find, they got to find it on the field. The Royals went two and three this week. That's right. They only played five games, which brings their overall record to 18 and 41. Uh, It was a weird week for the Royals last week because they had two off days in a row which makes the week feel very disconnected to me. I, like the Cardinals series is what they started with. If you remember, they went and ha- had a two game series against the Cardinals. They went one and one in that series in St. Louis. Then they came back for a three game series here against Colorado. And then they're going to go uh, immediately leave again. Like, and so very weird. They ended up losing two of three to the Rockies here at home, which was pretty disheartening because the Rockies aren't very good. And they played pretty bad th- those two games, uh, a bullpen blow up cost them the first Rockies game. Uh, then uh, a bunch of defensive mistakes and base running errors cost them the second one. And it was rough to watch. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about how the Royals performance last week? Well, not good. You know, they, they played a really good game to kick off the week against the Cardinals. They won seven to nothing. You thought, Hey, maybe we got a chance to win a two game series. It'd be the first uh, sweep in quotes <laughs> of the year. Um but no, losing a series to a Rockies team that is also very beat up, people. All right. Remember, Charlie Blackman didn't play in the game today because he took a ball off the hand. They don't have uh, Chris, uh, a third base. Bryant. Bryant, thank you. Uh, they're short uh, Crone as well is also out for them. And so this is a team that's very hurt, and we just lost a series to them, and they're not even all that good when they're not hurt. And so <clears throat> can't be all that positive about a, a, a week like that, especially when you see the – very fixable mistakes, the very like mistakes that just cost us in that second game against the Rockies that are like, you get picked off third, you know, and I'm not to pile on Bobby Witt jr. Because you know, uh, what's his name? Drew waters had an error in that game too. And, and it just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good baseball in, in, in a couple of those games. So uh, we got to get that stuff tightened up because we talked about it last week, the margin for winning, especially for a team like this, that doesn't have a whole lot of pitching is very, very, very thin. Watching those mistakes, man, it, it hurts. So it's one thing if like their guys go up and they uh, there is a gnat in this room right now and it's driving me crazy. But anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be a professional here and I'll just soldier through it. Yeah, that's right. um, 
watching those mistakes is what kills me. It's one thing if their pitcher just beats your hitters, right? It's one thing if their hitters just beat your pitcher. That's a, that's a whole, that's an understandable thing, right? But to get picked off the way that they are on the bases, to make base running mistake after base running mistake after base running mistake, which they made so many in this Rocky series. Massey got picked off again today. today yeah. yeah, he gets picked <laughs> off at first. It's kind of like a, well, they might call it a caught stealing, but uh, you know, Bobby Wood Jr. gets doubled up on that infield fly ball. To get doubled up on an infield fly ball is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. Then he gets back picked at third, right? I'm sorry. I don't want to – I'm talking about Bobby Wood Jr. more later, but it's the base running mistakes that just kill me. Those are free outs for the other team. They're giveaways. They, it, I can't even. I can't even. It, it's just – it's not It's not a thing. <laughs> that – Plus the gnat. Plus this gnat, you know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Going through the minor leagues, you should. one of the things you should be doing with players is teaching them about the game, right? And the thing about the game is no 90 feet that you can gain is really ever worth giving up an out. So you should actually run the bases pretty conservatively, right? Because unless you actually know how to do it really well, you should be a conservative base runner because taking that out is huge. It is really bad to get thrown out on the bases. You have now wasted the hardest thing there is to do in baseball as a, as a position player, which is get on base, right? And so you've now just wasted that. You've given it away. The 90 feet that you took as a result of that or thought you were going to take or thought you might sneak or whatever, not worth it. Not worth the risk of getting thrown out on the bases. And so, you know, it's one thing to try and steal a base, whatever, but to get back, I don't, I have no reasoning for why he would be that far off the base on an infield fly ball. I have no reasoning for why he would be, you know, none of these things make sense to me, but I digress. I, I will let up on that and we'll talk about something positive. Mike, let's talk about the positive. Who was your strong performer for this week? I went with Nick Prado and <clears throat> I'm continually impressed with him uh, in that leadoff spot. You know, I never thought of him as a leadoff hitter because he doesn't have a whole lot of speed, but his on-base ability should have told us, hey, he's got the ability to possibly do this. He was 6 for 19 this week with a double, a home run, and two walks uh, to seven strikeouts, so he does need to bring that. I think he's at like 32% for a strikeout rate right now. That does need to come down. I'd love to see that sub-25. Um, but I think as he gets more comfortable, that there's a good possibility with that hap- of that happening with the uh, kind of new approach that he has. He's he's 135 weighted runs created plus so far this year. So he's 35% above major league average. That's that's very good. I mean, he, that's a strong, strong performance from Nick Prado. And so I want to see him continue to get chances in the one spot uh, and see if he can set the table for some of these other guys. Yeah, the Nick Prado thing is like, I love the way he's played so far. I love the the new approach. I love that he's looking to drive the ball the other way when he's when he's down two strikes and things like that. That performance is not going to last, right? It is it is not sustainable where he's at right now because his strikeout rate is so high. You know, the bat bip right now is like over 400. And so that's not going to last either. And so just be aware that if, if, if he doesn't find a way to stop striking out as much as he is, then he's going to see some deflation as the balls he's putting in play start not falling, right? And so, but great on him so far. He is like really lifting this offense and doing a great job in the leadoff spot. He's not my ideal leadoff hitter, but he's a good enough one. And so that's good. Uh, my strong performer for this week is one Jordan Lyles. I know it's weird. To, it's weird to call him that. He was our week, a weak performer last week and he has been really bad this year, but we have to give credit where it's due. He came out and pitched a really good game. He gave five innings, one earned run, two hits, one walk, eight strikeouts, and he gave up a home run. That was the one run that he ended up giving up. 
In his outing last week, he gives up that solo home run on the first, and everybody's like, here we go again. You know, like, but he just settled down and started throwing dimes. And then because they had two off days before that, this is the first game of the Rocky series, everyone on Twitter's like, get Lyles out after five. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. Quattrero actually did get him. I thought it was the second game of the Cardinals series. Hmm. What it? I think it was the first game. Second game of the Cardinals series where it was lost no, two to one. No, I'm pretty sure it was the first game of the Rocky series because everyone was saying that bullpen's fully rested. You know, they got two days off. Mm. And so he goes out, pitches really well, gave him a chance to oh, win. Oh, you're right. Bullpen yeah. blew up. You're right. Maybe they had too much rest. I don't know. But like uh, the bullpen <laughs> ended up blowing that game up. And so, but Lyles pitched really well. And I think what we're seeing is like, hey, and the numbers back all this up because his his performance in the sixth inning so far this year is like is uh, world-class bad. It's, it's historical bad. And so he's not a guy who can go through in order a third time. I know he's meant to be an innings eater, but I think the trade-off that you're getting, not worth it. Just pull him after five. Let him be successful in that way if he can be. Unless you have a big lead or you're way down, then let him mop up for as long, as many pitches as his arm can take, you know. But I, I'm, I'm okay with the idea to just treat him like any other starter. Don't call him an innings eater. Just pull him after five. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what you're going to do if you're going to give yourself the best chance to win, obviously. My, uh, my weak, or sorry, my weak performer coming up here is a good connection to that because if I'm not mistaken, he's the one that gave up all the runs in that game. Yeah. Well, he gave up some at he least. Up, he, wasn't, he, he gave, gave up, up four. He gave up. I think he had four earned okay, runs in yeah. that game. Um, yeah. But I'm going with Carlos Hernandez for my weak performer because, because of mostly that game. Uh, he only pitched a third of an inning in that game and gave up four earned runs. For the week, he was one and a third innings pitched, five earned runs, two strikeouts, and zero walks. Now, you love the no walks. But uh, he was just getting hit around way too much. And so we need to we need to get to a place with Carlos Hernandez because we know that he can be effective at times where he's being more consistent. And so now that you know that you belong here, Carlos Hernandez, and this is going to be your role, go figure out a way to be more consistent with it so that the Royals actually have a piece moving forward and not a guy who, well, we'll never be able to put him in high leverage situations because he could give up four earned runs in a third of an inning. Yeah, Hernandez, the hype was getting real big after those two successful opening outings. And that's good. I think the talent is there. I think, you know, I think he'll be fine. You know, bullpens guys are up and down sometimes, you know, it's fine. Um, but yeah, he he it just, he's not, he wasn't unsuccessful last week in the ways you would worry about him being unsuccessful. Like, oh, he went out and walked three guys in an outing and, you know, then gave up a single. It was, you know, guys earned their hits and, you know, and that sort of thing. And so, the thing I always worry about him is what happens one day when the velocity goes down, right? Like uh, that's a, that's a future problem. That's scary because yeah. he needs, he needs all of that. Yeah. That's a future problem. But, uh, and you know, anytime he, he's not throwing that hundred mile an hour gas, you know, now we should always wonder like, Oh, is he going to get hit today? Because he's only throwing 96, you know? Uh, but we'll see. Uh, my week performer this week is a guy we've already talked about and a guy who is is garnering a lot of conversation among Royals faithful. That's Bobby Wood Jr. And it wasn't that he was terrible at the plate this week. He wasn't good, but he wasn't terrible. He went five for 20 with one home run, no walks, five strikeouts, three stolen bases, and one caught stealing. Uh, and again, two other base running mistakes that I think, I'm not sure if they count the, uh, the back pick at third as a caught stealing. Uh, I'm not exactly what they count that as, uh, but he did just, and he played, he made some huge defensive mistakes too. And that Daniel Lynch start, he had a big defensive mistake. Um, oh, yeah. The thing I'm looking at with that offensive line is 
there should never be a week where he has zero walks. And this is the difference between him being a two to three win player, which he could probably be for the rest of his career, just as he is. He can be a two to three win player, just like he is right now for the rest of his career. Or a five, six win player, which he could consistently be if he may had a better approach at the plate. Right. And so I was talking about, I was, uh, Alex Duvall of Royals Farm Report had me on uh, like a Sunday. What do they call them, Mike? What are these things called? Twitter spaces. Uh, Twitter spaces. Um, and we, I got on a little late, so he'd already talked about Bobby Wood Jr. But this is the thing that we're talking about. It's not that he, like what he is right now is a serviceable major league baseball player. And, you know, the league average players, roughly two wins, right? But the expectation, he wasn't a top 10 prospect in the system. He was a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. You know that the potential for something way more is in there. The question is, can he grow up a little bit, be consistent, stop trying to do everything great all the time and get comfortable getting deeper into counts, you know? Right now, it's like he always wants to, yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing a game. And it's like, no, calm down. Okay. Just be calm. Go deeper into counts. Be comfortable taking that walk and you'll be fine. I don't think he's ever going to hit over 270 because I don't think his hit tool is good enough to really punish all the pitches he gets in his sweet spot. But if he gets to that better approach, then I'm hoping in the second half, we're going to see a guy really take off offensively. Don't know that it's going to happen. It's really up to him, honestly. If he can take that, if he can change his mindset at the plate, he can be something better. The question is, will he ever get there? All this in mind, two and three week, weak performers, strong performers. What are your, what is your theme for last week's baseball? My theme is mistake waiting to happen. You mean mom's nickname for you? Uh, <laughs> we're twins, man. <laughs> I know, but you're the, you're, a, you're just a mistake waiting to happen. Yeah, okay. Um, so it just feels like when you tune into these games that, Either some huge, some some tiny mistakes going to cause a huge amount of runs to be scored for the Royals or against the Royals, I should say, and, or they're going to make a mistake. Like because that's what happens. Like some innings, they make a mistake or two, and it doesn't end up costing them. But when it does cost them, it costs them whole games. You know that Daniel Lynch starts probably the perfect example. You know Bobby Jr. makes that mistake in the first. Lynch hits a guy to lead off the game you know, all of these tiny things and boom, you're done. The game was over after that first inning, it was over. And so it, it though, and I know it's just like, Oh, it's a young team. Young teams make mistakes, but at some point you got to stop being a young team. You got to stop making those mistakes because you, like I said earlier, your margin for winning is so small. You don't have the talent level to make up for those mistakes. You just don't offensively or in the, on the mound. And so, Stop being a mistake waiting to happen, Kansas City Royals. It's driving me nuts. Did you just look at the thing that I was going to say and totally snake it from me? Because I swear. No, I did not. My theme but, for this uh, week, which it, is It was written, such a boring point. I which, figured which just is, covered anyway. Which is written on the outline. says, at some point, the kids got to grow up. Okay? And that's what I'm talking about, man. At some point, those those kid mistakes, those, you know, Oh, I got backpicked after on th at third base. Who gets backpicked at third? You can't steal home. I mean, you can, but you really can't. And so, how are you getting backpicked at third? Like, I got doubled up on an infield fly ball. Those are that's the sh little league shit. You see that in little league, okay? You can't be making that mistake at the major league level, and you're making it for the same reason a little leaguer makes the mistake. 
You're too anxious. You're trying to do too much. Oh, I'm a kid in a candy store. No, grow up. You are a professional Major League Baseball player. Yes, sometimes it's boring and you got to do the boring thing, which is just hang out on first or hang out on third. You're not always going to make a play. You're not Michael Jordan. This isn't a basketball game, right? Like you need to sometimes just do nothing, right? Follow Kunu and do less, okay? (laughs) Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. She actually invented the one-legged deadlift because there's not enough weight in a weight room for her to use too. Yeah. Two legs. That's, that's, that was years ago for mom. Years ago. Mm-hmm. The excellent specialized care she got at all in physical therapy had her back to being active in no time. She spends a lot of days dragging semis out of ditches as her cardio and crocheting. And crocheting. She likes to crochet. Um, but that's, that's her cardio. That's not her, that's not her big lift. You know, uh, no. all in physical therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freevert, a former arena league football player, Northwest Missouri state Bearcat and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both blue Springs and Lee Summit. So get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at all in physical therapy to learn more. Give them a call at 816 427 Five three zero zero. That's eight one six four two seven five three zero zero. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's a l l i n-pt.com. On this week's spotlight segment, we're going to gain some perspective on the future of the Kansas City Royals with a little game I'm calling "The Future So Bright I Got to Take Pains." That is ridiculous. <laughs> That's good, right? No. That's good. No, that's great. That's don't don't hate. You hate. Don't hate. Uh Mike and I will each pick three hitters and two pitchers, one starter, one bullpen, who we who we want to think about as contributing in 2025 with with the Royals. And then we'll discuss why they're particularly well suited and what this all says about how the Royals look moving forward. These players can come from anywhere inside or outside the organization. So it can be people currently on the major league roster, people in the minors, somebody we think is going to be in free agency between now and then, or somebody who will be in free agency between now and then. And because Mike is, you know, not the sharpest tool in the shed, he gets to go first. Okay, Mike, we're going to give you the first pick in the draft because you need that advantage. The ally says it's because I invented the game. He also invented this game. I named it, which is the best part okay, of it. Uh-huh, it's uh-huh, a name. Sure, uh-huh. the, that, the future uh, so bright, I gotta take pains. Uh-huh. Reference yeah. to how bad the team is now. And a hit song from the 1980s. All right. Tim, um, Tim Buck 3, baby. Tim Buck 3. Is that who, is that, who that is? I have no clue. Yeah, um, that's who did it. Okay, uh, so for my first pick in the Royals 2025 uh, draft for this uh, game, title to be determined later, um, is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Vinny Pasquantino to start it all off because I love the re- reliability of his approach and his bat. I know he's been struggling recently, but I don't think, I think the adjustments that he need to, needs to make are small ones. And I think that his ability to hit the ball is something that we can really rely on moving forward. So I'm going with the Pasquatch Vinny P. Oh, so you're taking the very obvious pick? Okay. Yes, I'm taking the layup. Yes, I'll go ahead and take Bobby Witt Jr. with my first pick. Now, I know I spent that whole first segment basically crapping on him, but <laughs> but the ceiling is still the highest of anybody on the team, okay? The ceiling is still the stratosphere with Bobby Witt Jr. He's only 22 years old, right? He has the ability to be a superstar in this league. The question is, will he ever reach that ceiling? 
Either way, this is somewhat of a safe pick because of how much better that his defense has been. No matter what, he's going to be the Royals' shortstop of the future, even if he only ever hits uh, 90 weighted runs created plus, 100 weighted runs created plus. If he's a plus defender, which he is, you know, maybe even better than that, then great, they're fine. You know, he'll he'll be a very solid piece of any team moving forward. But also, there's a chance that he's a 125 rated, weighted runs created plus guy, and you have a superstar playing shortstop for you. So I'll take Bobby Wood Jr. with my first pick. It's a snake draft, so I get to do the first pick of the second round as well. And so I'm going to go a little deep into the organization here, and I'm taking Noah Cameron with my second pick. He is a guy who I think is showing us this year that he has the potential to be a starting piece for a major league team. The strikeout numbers are insane. The stuff is really, really good. That curveball is Barry Zito-like. It is so good. And so... I think he can be a little bit of a horse for him. Like, I don't think there is such a thing as like a 200 inning guy anymore, but, you know, throw 150 quality innings for them, strike out a lot of guys, miss a lot of bats, don't walk a ton. I hope we can see Noah Cameron, Noah Cameron maybe this gets a chance, hopefully, at the start of 2024, midway through 2024, something like that. Yeah, I like Noah Cameron a lot. St. Joe Central's finest. Um, Joe Town? I, I, yeah, I think uh, he, he had a little bit of a rough start, I think, yesterday, maybe uh, in double A, one of his first ones in double A. But yeah, I, I completely agree that that curve. If you're saying what's the you know, he, he's got to have consideration for what who has the best pitch in our organization with that curveball. It's it's very, very, very good. Uh, and so he's always got something to lean on there. I'm going to go for my starting pitcher. I'm going to go with Brady Singer because one. If you're talking about somebody who's going to be on the roster in 2025, there's really not a lot to choose from. I could go with Daniel Lynch. He hasn't shown as much as Singer has. Um, you know, I think Brady Singer is a a important step or two away from being a really, really good major league pitcher. The problem is he's been that in that spot for two years. And he hasn't taken that step forward. And so I'm hoping by 2025, he's throwing the change up more. Or if he doesn't like the change up, if he refuses to throw it, go figure out something else for him. Because just throwing fat, you know, two seam fastball or sinker and slider is not going to make him consistent enough that he can be a top level guy in the league like we thought he could be with the second half of last year. So I'll take Brady Singer with the hope that he takes a step forward because I think by 2025, we're going to be looking at this rotation and going, Hey, two years ago, a lot of these guys weren't even on this team. Honestly. Yeah. You hope for Lynch, you hope Bubich comes back and gives you something. Um, but you know, maybe Zerpa comes back and gives you something. I don't know, but you're, you gotta think that Brady Singer at least has a shot to be here in 2025. You're up again. Cause this is a snake draft. Oh yeah. I get to go again. And I get to go with the guy that I, I pointed out earlier and that's Nick Prado. I think he's going to have the ability to bring those strikeout numbers down. And with his approach and on-base ability, I think that keeps him as a valuable offensive piece in Major League Baseball. Plus, he's he, he, you already know you're getting gold glove defensive work at first base, but he has shown the ability to be, be a, to have a solid, um, a solid corner outfield as well. And so I'm completely fine with taking somebody like Nick Prado, even though I've already taken Vinny Pasquantino and they play somewhat similar positions in that they're both primarily first baseman. I want to, I believe in Nick Prado's bat moving forward as long as he can get those strikeout numbers down. And he's shown, he's really shown the ability to make adjustments. Okay. He had large full scale revamp after that terrible season in high a, 
and then now has also refined his approach even more coming up to the major league level. So we know he can make changes. Yeah, that's a good pick, I think. And I think I'm not actually that worried about those strikeouts. I think that strikeout rate number is going to come down. I think, you know, as he settles, it'll get a little bit better in there. I don't think it'll ever be down to 25, but he can do it at 28% and still be okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Michael Massey with my uh, second one. And that is because he has just, he's shown the ability to make adjustments too, honestly. The adjustments that he made in May completely turned things around. I always, there was always the ceiling and I always thought he would get there eventually. I thought he would have to go down to AAA to, to refine that approach and get to where he needs to be. He, he did it in the major leagues. Kudos to Alex Zumwalt for uh, doing it at the major league level. Uh, is it Alex? Is he Alec or an Alex? I can't remember. Um, but well, I'm just going to call him Zumwalt. Uh, kudos to Zumwalt for finding uh, what Michael Massey needed because he looks like a completely different hitter in May. He came up with an RBI single today. He's a guy who, it looks like right now is going to be a pretty consistent performer for them at second base for a while. And what I'm looking for are, is just numbers and depth. I need guys who can be above major league average as players, right? I think Michael Massey has a good bet of being a three war player this year. And then as he continues to grow, who knows, four or five war player might be his cap, but he may be able to do it for a long time. So I'll take Michael Massey, good defense at second. Looks like he can be a really decent piece of a major league lineup. Another guy who's in some ways really similar to Michael Massey, I'm taking Michael Garcia as another guy I think will be in this lineup and should be valuable for the 2025 Royals. Uh, Michael Garcia, we saw him hit a home run today. We saw we see that great approach at the plate. I want him to bring out down the strikeout numbers. I think he will eventually. I think it'll take him some time to adjust to major league pitching. But as he does, he'll start swinging a little bit less. He'll start finding ways to protect that outside part of the plate. And there's no doubt about his defense at this point. He has been amazing defensively at third. He's really good defensively at second. Really solid at short. I'm sure he'll back up there at times. And so I got no qualms with a guy like Garcia because you just know, yeah, he might be the bottom of a lineup for the for a 2025 Royals, but you know he's going to be good enough to be that. You know he's going to be a consistent performer for you come 2025. Yeah, and I, I thought about picking Garcia as well just because you know exactly what you're going to get and you know that there's not going to be anything that stops you putting him somewhere defensively. He can play short second or third, and he does it very well. Um, I'm going to go with my bullpen piece for this next one, and I'm going down to AAA to a guy that we had here last year and did very well for us, Dylan Coleman. Uh, I've seen some stuff on Coleman. It looks like he's refined some of those secondary pitches. His velocity still isn't up to where it was last year which is a little bit concerning, but I think by 2025, he may be one of the only bullpen pieces that is left with this team. And I didn't want to go reaching way deep. I mean, we, honestly in AAA, I don't know that there's anybody that you'd peg as, okay, this guy is going to help us in the bullpen for sure. And so I, I went with uh, Dylan Coleman because I really think he's about the only one uh, that's in the high minors that, that has a chance to be really, really, really good at the back end of a bullpen. So if you can get that velocity back up, I like what he's done with those secondary pitches. And I think Dylan Coleman will probably see honestly in the second half this year at some point. Um, and yeah, that'll be a good indicator of whether he can be a piece to be relied on by 2025. You're up for the final round too. It's a snake draft. Ooh, this is my wild card, baby. This is my hope and pray. My fingers crossed. This is never going to uh, happen by the way. With my final pick and this and this may not be somebody who starts the season 2025 in Major League Baseball, but I went way I went down somewhat deep into the minors because this is a guy I believe in. Carter Jensen, ladies and gentlemen. 
I believe in his ability to catch. I believe in his approach and I believe that he can hit the ball hard. He's 19 years old. The the only thing at high A right now that is not good for Carter Jensen is the batting average. And that's largely because his batting average on balls in play is extremely low. He's hitting the ball hard. His approach, he's walking more than he's striking out now, which is weird because he's striking out at 24% or 23% or something like that. That's right. His walk numbers are like 25%. He's going to be a three true outcomes darling. Which is okay with me because he's going to play good defensive, good defensive catcher. And so I will take this kid. I believe that he's going to come up to Major League Baseball. I think we probably see him in the second half of 2025. But I wanted to get somebody on my team that could be a team changer that has the ability to come out and possibly by that time be somebody who has developed into a legitimate offensive force. And I think Carter Jensen has that potential. Maybe that's a real wild card. That's as wild as a wild card gets right there. You know how I like to play I actually was going to dig into free agency. Yeah. I was going to dig into free agency and pull out a starter, but I decided to go with somebody in the system and I forgot that we had to put a bullpen guy in there. Um, So I went with my bullpen pick because you should always pick your bullpen guy last. Okay. And so I went ahead and went with Carlos Hernandez as my bullpen guy. He's still got a ton of years left before he hits free agency. Right. He's got, you know, he's showing us that he has the ability to be an effective bullpen guy. Yeah. Had a rough week last week, but I think it's in there for him. I think he'll refine those secondary pitches. I think he'll do something to be okay surviving 97, 98 instead of 99 and 100, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so Carlos Hernandez is a guy who I think if we're looking to the future, like, okay, who in this bullpen might actually be here beyond this year? I mean, a lot of them shouldn't be. Right. Taylor Clark shouldn't be Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett's going to be gone no matter what. Or Aldous Chapman's going to be gone no matter what. I think this is Clark's last year. I'm not 100% sure on that. But Barlow and and a a lot of these guys should get traded. Right. So who's the next? Who's the one who shouldn't be? Who should still be here in 2025? Carlos Hernandez is one of those guys. I think he's going to be effective as a bullpen piece. That is it. The teams are as follows Mike has Vinny Pasquantino, Brady Singer, Nick Prado. Dylan Coleman, and Carter Jensen. I have Bobby Witt Jr., Noah Cameron, Mike Massey, Mikhail Garcia, and Carlos Hernandez. Mike, what do you think that the players selected tell us about the team moving forward? Well, first, uh, please comment on, on YouTube or on one of the podcast apps and let us know who won. You can just let Mark down easily, okay? He's very fragile, so let him down very easily, okay? Uh, he, he's dabbing, for those of you uh, who are here from 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> so what does this say about our team moving forward? The draft, the players that we picked, I think the biggest thing that it says is we need a lot of help on the mound because it was not easy to find either the starter or the reliever inside our organization. I think we both went, ended up going with guys inside of our organization because, you know, there's always going to be limitations to what the Royals can do in free agency Yes, I would love if they were able to trade for some starting pitching arms, but other teams don't like to give those up. And so uh, the bulk of the starting rotation is going to come from our organization. And so, yeah, it was uh, it was hard. We need a lot, a lot of help on the mound. I think it also says something about like one, almost everyone is for sale on this team. Right. The, the only two guys I can think of who are not for sale on this team are the first two picks that we took. Bobby Wood Jr. and Vinny Pasquantino. Those are the only two guys I would think. They're not for sale. Okay. Everyone else, they should be listening to deals for. If if the deal is good enough, they should be willing to trade Nick Prado. If the deal is good enough, they should be willing to trade 
the Brady Singer. If the deal is MJ good, Melendez, all these yeah. guys, MJ Melendez, all these guys, right? And so I think what we're seeing is that like, there are only a couple of guys they consider or any of us would consider like bedrocks for 2025. The rest of the thing we're looking for are just depth pieces. Guys, we still think will be valuable major league players in 2025. And so I went with Michael Garcia and Mike Massey, not because I think either one of those guys will be an all-star in this league. And so we'll get to stick around for, you know, five or six years here. And we'll try to extend them or something like that. But because I think those, I tried to pick guys I thought at the very least could be solid pieces of the bottom of a lineup. That's those guys. Okay. I don't think Mike Massey will hit third for the Royals. I think he'll hit seventh for the Royals. I don't think Mikhail Garcia will hit second. I think he'll be eighth or ninth or maybe hitting leadoff if his on-base ability gets really, really good, you know? Um, and so it's not like we're thinking, oh, they have five, six pieces that are bedrocks of a team. They don't have that. They have two, right? The rest of the guys, they're hoping to fill out the rest with depth. And right now the depth just isn't there. The Royals hit the road this week. Again, I, this the whole three-game series at home and then leave again is weird for me. Uh, but they're going for an East Coast swing this time. First, they'll head to Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing, if Will Smith is to be believed. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's a good joke. That's you a good one. You gotta the name of the one. game was garbage, but that's a good one. <laughs> I went deep into my uh, repertoire for that one. Uh, after that, they'll head to Baltimore, the city that keeps watching The Wire, I guess. I don't know. That's all that I think about when I think of Baltimore. Um, Mike, tell us about the mighty Miami Marlins. The mighty Miami Marlins are actually having a pretty good little run this year. They are 32 and 28, second in the NL East. Uh, it looks like that first game is going to be Hernandez as an opener, followed by, uh, what's his name? Uh, Meyer, Mike Myers. Um, we'll we'll do, be the bulk guy tomorrow. Uh They'll be going against Braxton Garrett, a 25-year-old soft-tossing lefty from Florence, Alabama. You and I have spent some was time. married in- for a year one night That's there. That's right. Huh? Flor- huh? Mark huh? and I have had, I've made my, a fool of myself in the Florence and Muscle Shoals area a time or two. Uh, good good people. Uh, 4.22 ERA for Braxton Garrett and a 1.31 whip. When we say soft-tossing lefty, we mean it. He throws a sinker. From the left side, high 80s to low 90s. Uh, slider, cutter, curveball, changeup, but he mostly sticks with the sinker and slider. Pretty heavy on the slider. Um, he has been getting hit hard this year, and so hopefully the Royals can uh, square up some of those uh, left-handed fluff balls that come uh, floating in there. Uh, we do not have a Royals probable for the second game, but uh, the Marlins will pitch Jesus Lazardo, a 25-year-old lefty from Stoneman Douglas, uh, the infamous Stoneman Douglas uh, high school out of Florida, 5.05 ERA with a 1.35 whip. Um, He was a student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas high school when uh, the shooting happened. And so uh, that's an interesting fact, I guess he's a hard thrower though. It'll be a slightly different uh, uh, type of pitcher from uh, Garrett. The guy we see in the first game, fastball in the mid to upper nineties slider changeup, uh, sinker, Righties are having some success against Lazardo, so expect to see a heavy righty lineup. That might be a Matt Duffy game that day, and so uh, expect to see that. In the last game, the Royals do not have a starter uh, as of yet, but it'll be against Edward Cabrera, another 25-year-old, so young, young starting rotation for the Marlins. You're seeing why the Marlins are having success this year. They are a pitching factory. They produce a lot of their own pitching. Yeah. 
25-year-old right-handed pitcher, 4.50 ERA, 1.43 whip. Not fantastic numbers, but he's another hard thrower. Uh, Change-up, fastball, cutter, slider, sinker. Um, the four-seam fastball has been getting hit quite a bit. Slugging percentage of 5.53 against that four-seam fastball. So look on him to look at him to possibly lean on some other pitches. And then we're going to Baltimore. Baltimore? Baltimore. 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 Uh, the Wire. Yeah, boy. And Edgar Allan Poe. Excellent show. And Crab Cakes. Ed, excellent show. If you've never seen it, watch it. <laughs> uh, Baltimore also having a very good year this year. They are 37-22. and 22. That's good enough for second in the vaunted AL East. Uh, just a solid lineup up and down for them. They don't have a whole... I don't know if they have anybody in their starting lineup with under a 90 weight or, or OPS+. plus. Just real solid top to bottom. They have some guys doing really well this year too. Adley Rutschman, obviously, he's probably going to be an MVP candidate for most of his career. Uh, really good behind the plate. Anthony Santander, Ryan O'Hearn. <laughs> at Royals legend Ryan O'Hearn is having a good year for them. Granted, it's only in 50 plate appearances. They're using him extremely selectively, um, but he is having a pretty good year. OPS over 800. Uh, Austin Hayes, another guy for them who's hitting. They got a whole bunch of guys who are hitting. And so that's going to be a tough one. They have done what the Orioles are doing lately, which is cobbling together a pitching staff. They don't do it like other teams do, like the Marlins do, where they have a whole bunch of guys they've sort of just produced through their system. They just find guys, make them a little bit better, and then let them go out there and be basically average. And so they have Kyle Gibson and Tyler Wells doing pretty well this year. Kyle Brandish is or Bradish is a roughly average pitcher. And then they got a guy who is one of their big pitching prospects, Grayson Rodriguez. We saw him the last time when the Royals came to Kaufman, I think. Uh, and they Royals roughed him up. He's not been great so far since coming up, but he's a big time prospect. So don't be surprised if he finds a way to adjust and, and start pitching better. Uh, so yeah, that's Baltimore. Hopefully we can grab some wins on the East Coast. It's going to be a tough one this week. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just About Outside segment, where we share something that's caught our interest outside the world of baseball this week. Mike, I just saw you this morning. We were doing a lot of very interesting things at your house. What's gotten your attention this last week? Just to clue you guys in, we put together a grill. That was the interesting thing we did at my house. Um, we also fought off a wasp oh, yeah. to save someone's life. Yeah, if you want to so. see two grown men in their uh, late 30s be terrified of an insect. Yeah, should have been at my house today. Um so the thing that I'm psyched about, and I know I, I kind of was reminded of this yesterday, uh, my wife and I and some friends of hers and, and mine went to a downtown days here in Lee Summit, and there was some live music going on. And it really got me pumped for like live outdoor music, which I love and but haven't had an opportunity to do in a couple of years. I haven't had the opportunity to see a lot of live concerts in, a, in the last couple of years. And so you and I are going to Boulevardia uh, in a, a week or so. I'm going to get to see uh, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. We're excited about that. And then I think you and I are also going to go out to uh, whatever they're calling it now, Sandstone, Bonner Springs in August to catch the Turnpike Troubadours and the Avett Brothers, who both uh, bands that we like. So uh, excited to, to go see both of those. Uh, just getting really psyched for concerts because I haven't been in years. It's been years since I was able to actually go to concerts, mostly because I'm cheap and uh so yeah, just getting psyched for that, you know. That is pretty. So I'm really psyched for the Jason Isbell concert, though. I saw a tweet today. Jimbo's not going to be there for the concert. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Um, he's taking some time for mental health reasons, but you know, hopefully he's doing okay. But I'm sure they're going to be great either way. And so I've never been to Boulevardia either, so I'm excited to just see what that's. It's about. a fun time. That okay. was. The, I think that might have been the last I saw George Clinton, uh, uh, like 
six years ago. That might be the last. No, that's not the last live concert I went to, but it's one of the last. Yeah. I'm excited for that. And so that's coming up soon, uh, like a week and a half, I think. And so uh, really stoked yeah. for that. And then I'm going to another one later this year that isn't not with you, just me and my partner. Um, but it's going to be fun too. Uh, yes, very psyched for that. I'm also psyched for for my thing this week. And that is, it is Pride Month, everyone. And I wanted to sort of acknowledge that and say uh, happy, happy Pride, Pride everybody. to everybody uh, who's a part of that. I want to say that uh, one of the best things that has ever happened to me was entering a situation when I went to graduate school where I got my, a chance to meet and befriend and be mentored by a number of people in the LGBTQ community. Uh, my best friend from graduate school is a gay man, and he is a wonderful human being who I love very, very much. And I have learned so much from him over the course of my life. Hey, Zach. I'm sure he doesn't listen because he does not care at all about baseball. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, my partner is also a, a bi, a member of the LGBTQ community, and she has taught me a lot. My mentor, my dissertation chair, was a, a lesbian woman who is a wonderful human being. Um, and I just learned so much from the opportunity to be around people uh, from that community who were very gracious with me, willing to teach me as much as they possibly could about their experiences, um, but also just pointing me in the right direction and saying, go read this book, dummy. You know, like, <laughs> and so I, I was more than happy to do that as well. <laughs> I do want to also point out that uh, in my mind, there is a concerted effort to marginalize members of the LGBTQ community in this country right now. We just saw it in baseball a week or two ago with the Dodgers and their situation uh, with Clayton Kershaw saying some things that were not okay. And uh, you know, sort of showing a level of bigotry, I would feel, I feel. Um, and so I want to sort of uh, make people attention or give some people uh, my thoughts or at least help make them aware that right now there is an effort to marginalize that community in this country by eradicating their forms of art by taking away their literatures by doing all sorts of things to in ways that are meant to silence their experiences and take them out out of our communities or at least push them to the very edges of them and i think that's really sad to see in part because it has taken decades to sort of move the needle even a little bit towards acceptance towards you know helping people understand and show empathy to the types of people who are trying to just uh, exist within this world without being marginalized. And so I will always stand against those efforts to marginalize those people. Uh, and, and I hope you will as well. That's all. And if you don't, if you don't have anybody in your life who really represents that community and can sort of help you empathize with them, go read the stories of some of these people, go read the story. There was a great piece, uh, a while back. You remember that right tackle for the chiefs, Mike, I can't remember his name anymore. Um, Damn it. I used to have my students read it. There's a right tackle for the Chiefs many years ago uh, who eventually moved on and played for other teams and stuff like that. But he himself was a, a closeted gay man for many years in the NFL and was doing things like considering taking his own life until he found somebody within the organization. It was John Dorsey, I believe, at the time, who was willing to embrace him and he, he could share his thoughts and feelings with. And these are the types of things that if you hear those stories if you have nobody in your life who represents this community, go read their stories, go hear their stories, and then sort of think about what it means to accept people as part of the community. Yeah. And if you have never had a chance, um, go down to one of the events that we have here in Kansas City, one of the pride events. You will, if you've never been, you will very much understand that it's a, it's a great celebration of the this community. And there's a lot for everybody to do. And, you know, my wife took my son down there last year when he was an infant and they both had a fantastic time and I've gone in years past as well. And, and it's just really something to um, celebrate these people who often for most of our history, were not allowed to even acknowledge what they were. And so, yes, I completely agree with you. I see it. I, I will say this, you know, as a teacher, I get to see 
how younger generations uh, interact with these types of things and, and in these types of communities and handle these things. And it's good. It, it, it's, it's a lot better looking at those younger generations um, because there is a lot more acceptance. There's a lot more appreciation of these things amongst youngsters, or at least from my experiences and the things that I've seen. So um, yeah, happy pride to all those people. And um, if you, if you get a chance, go on down and, and participate in something. Yep. And participate in more Royals Weekly every week. Hope, I, we're not going to force you to watch Royals Baseball. That's a whole other experience. But <laughs> at, least, at least listen to the show. We at wouldn't torture to you by forcing you to watch the game. That's actually yeah, why we're here. We, we decided we we're going to let you not watch the games, and we'll just give you the updates. <laughs> I was thinking with for a slogan for the show, I was thinking for, we watch the games so you don't so you have don't to. Have to. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Uh, well, tune back in next week. We'll have another episode. We will be bring more of this delightful humor to you. Be good to each other. And go Royals. <laughs>